0: I'm joined today by Bruce Keyboard. He's the founder of The Big Group, which is Australia's largest private catering business. Good morning, Bruce.
1: Good morning, Piers. I don't know after COVID if we're the largest. We are surviving. We're still here. So we might be called the small group now.
0: Yeah, well, hopefully that's not going to happen and and, you know, sense is going to prevail and we're going to come out of this at some point. Bruce, you've been quite a a vocal proponent of the hospitality industry. You've been critical of the lockdowns. What do you think needs to happen to see the other side of this? You know, what's your outlook, particularly focused on your industry with hospitality?
1: Yeah. Look, it's it's an interesting pendulum of levers, really. And if you look at sort of each phase from March 20 to where we are today, the purpose and the importance of lockdowns throughout that period have had different relevance. So it's a very dynamic thing, this COVID, and it's changing at a rapid rate. You know, where we sit with Delta and its impact is very different to where we were at in 2020. The current lockdown, lockdown six, um, which I think we're in, which for many people in the hospitality industry um, and especially difficult for those in regional um, areas like the peninsula that probably could have had a similar story to Geelong but wasn't offered that, mm. um, it's it's very difficult because um, lockdown six is combined with lockdown four and lockdown five. So most traders, um, myself included, um, stopped any kind of revenue end of May, all of June, July, august and we're now looking pretty much at september and it seems like part of october so i think the frustration for people in you know hospitality be that in the event sector or bars restaurants and cafes uh is that we have no plan and um whilst we now in in this really fortunate situation where people are getting vaccinated and and running towards that door and the numbers are going up we don't know whether we'll be open in a week two weeks or five weeks and i think that's a very big frustration for business. And I think for, you know, residents and, you know, people at home, um, they're very frustrated because they want to get back to living and seeing their families.
0: Yeah, and and sort of having a target to work towards. You've made some really interesting suggestions that I've seen recently about trying to incentivise people, you know, dangle a carrot or give them a a light at the end of the tunnel, like, okay, if we get to this number, if everyone gets or if enough people get vaccinated, this is a staged approach to what we're going to do to open up. And they are talking... quite clearly about this in New South Wales and for Sydney. I'm personally surprised that it's, it's not clearer in Victoria. What would you like to see in the way of incentives and clarification of a, of a path out?
1: Look, I think we're all pretty simple, you know, when you pull it apart. And what we need is some goals. And once you've got goals and a goalpost, we all know where to run to. So my theory really is we have this amazing grand final, which, you know, let's call it the greatest game at the greatest stadium um, in Australia, which we've shipped off to Perth due to not really having a strategy around that. Now, that would have been the greatest goal for those who are vaccinated. And, you know, we have to also remember there's lots of people who by choice will not get vaccinated and a lot of people who actually cannot get vaccinated. So we'll park that for a second because that's you know really a rapid antigen question. But if, if we um, had that grand final, what a way to sort of go. Now it's gone. So we still now have a, holiday for an event that's not even on in victoria so i see that grand final day holiday to be a really great um touch point for those who are vaccinated to start being outdoors at their local cafe bar or restaurant and we can just start testing how this Vax passport actually works and then the secondary goal post which is a really simple one is melbourne cup day and um, once again a public holiday for a horse race but that's you know, very Australian, and you know, I see that as being not the race that stops the nation. I see that as being the race that starts the nation. So it's a really good opportunity for us to drop the density caps. You know, rely on the science as we've been told by government, and you know, realise that this vaccination is really going to be a great you know survivor uh, for Victorians, and we won't be leading ourselves into hospitalisation and mortality rates will not go up due to it.
0: You've said. When we open up, so for example, say it was for, for vaccinated people at the Melbourne Cup, and that was you know, the, the race that starts the state and starts the, the recovery out of lockdown for, for New South Wales and, and Melbourne, you've said that should happen without density restrictions,
1: 100%. I mean, there, there is a point where um, if we look at the case studies, which are very prevalent for us to see what has happened with Delta, what has happened with recovery due to vaccination in UK, France, Italy, Germany, and I always say, look at Iceland, look at Israel as well, plus the US. Um, you know, these countries are now open. There are not density caps and people living their lives. So your health security really needs to start going back onto an individual onus rather than being run by the state. Mm. Um, People who are immune compromised or have made the decision not to vaccinate have the opportunity then to protect themselves by perhaps living a lockdown life. I think for most Australians or most Victorians, we don't want to live a lockdown life anymore. We have to start moving forward and take the inherent risks individually.
0: I think, as you've also said, living like this is not living at all, which I think is a I think a lot of people would agree with that you've also said that kids must go back to school now as a parent I, I can only totally agree with you and i think that the damage to kids is really really serious and a very very big worry and that alone you know put aside business uh, which is important of course as well it's people's livelihood it's it's their it's their sanity it's it's uh, their fulfillment and everything else but our kids not going to school for such a prolonged period i mean i don't know what the exact tally is i mean we've had i think it's over 7 months of lockdown in melbourne for for the uh, pandemic but our kids for a lot of that time have missed school and that's a very that's a very big serious issue isn't it
1: It's a disaster. I mean, there's sort of two pendulums of age that I think are really important. I mean, you and I were kids at school together, so we're sort of in the mid-bit. And I'm less worried about our generation because we've got lots of great memories behind us and we've actually got time ahead of us. So our generation, I'm not as concerned about... For little kids who um, have fear and they think that this is the new normal for them, I really worry about that. Mm. And I think then the 16, 17, 18, 19-year-olds are sort of robbed of all these very important occasions in their life. Team sport, you know, graduation, um, you know, dances you know, just going out with your mates and having fun, schoolies, all of these things that are are one-off opportunities that don't come back again. Mm. On the other flip of the pendulum, you know, if you're 80, 82, 83, 84, you've got a short run left, right? So, you you know, every day is is to be capitalised and enjoyed, and so that life is being robbed from these grandparents as well. So I think that that is just an unmitigated disaster. And the bit in the middle, the business piece, I always refer to business, but not so much from a financial point of view. It is a about mental health. It is about job security and it is about financial security. And once you start taking those pillars down and away from people and, you know, the loneliness, the, you know, job insecurity, financial concerns, um, that really um, becomes a snowball. And the mental health of this state is at an absolute dire straits right now.
0: Mm, Yep. And I think you've you've said this recently, referring back again to um, some of these great posts you've done on Instagram that, that, you know, people have got to get off welfare because it's destroying oh, them.
1: Yeah. Well, it destroys the spirit, I think, you know, because um, hard work is just part of an Australian mechanism. But, you know, there are a lot of people that that's becoming their normal. And so, you know, you do retract. Even myself today, I all of a sudden got my coffee and I forgot why I was in a mask and why all the shops were closed. That doesn't bring a society together. I think it's a very dangerous, um, a very dangerous place that we're in, and the collateral damage is far worse, I think, than anything that we've seen from COVID. Now, yes, some of the lockdowns definitely saved lives. We did not want to be like many other countries where they just the hospitals couldn't cope, and you know we were behind. But we are over the milestone of that, and we're a very wealthy country with incredible. Um, hospital facilities and they should be being used to not their full capacity but they should definitely be being used and we should be fighting this in the hospitals.
0: We had a lot of time to you know learn about how to deal with COVID and you know we've had experience it's not new anymore
1: that said, Piers, I have to say it's really easy for all of us to be Eddie experts sitting from the sidelines. You know, yep. if I had to sit in that role um, that you know the um, chief health officer and the premier are sitting in, that's a really tough decision, right? You have got people's lives sitting in your hand. We had all the issues that happened in the beginning, so you become very um, adverse to risk based on um, that hotel quarantine issue from the beginning. So these are not easy decisions for any leader to make. So I think we're all on the journey of um, understanding and supporting, but clarity, goals, um, information, things like parliament being open so that we can question, I think these are all really important things to human spirit because we're there to band together to get to the other side, but I think um, information and sharing of data is very important.
0: What do you think about rapid antigen testing?
1: Look, I am very pro-rapid antigen testing and have been from the beginning. I believe that it's a really great way out for hospitality um, just to ensure that the environments in which we are in are as COVID-free as possible. It's a 10-minute you know, roughly $10 test. Um, So it it was used very successfully in the UK. The other piece that I think is really important about it is inclusion. You know, there are definitely people who cannot have this vaccine or or choose not to. And we do not want Australia or especially Victoria to be a segregated society. So uh, rapid antigen testing allows for this element of inclusion. And I think it's really important. The fact it's not being used in hospitals. I went into the hospital the other day to go and pick something up for my wife. And I could just walk straight in and there I am. Now every hospital should be rapid antigen testing people before they go in. I think it's a great tool not being maximised.
0: And that would be the way that you could you could stage your big events so that everyone's included. So if you're a, a kind of an objector, or a conscientious objector or a vaccine hesitant, you know, no one's gonna force you to have a have a needle put in your arm under any circumstances, but Apparently, they're not as reliable. There are certain instances where they can give you an incorrect result. Um,
1: Correct, and, and 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 you you can get a false positive and a false negative, um, as you can with the PCR test as well, albeit the PCR is a much higher test. But if you take the lens that you know you've got, as we did, you know the modelling for AFL Grand Final to have it stay in Victoria, um, we are far better off to test a hundred thousand people before they go into the stadium than find out afterwards that we had. Five, six, seven, eight super spreaders. Where rapid antigen testing is actually at its foremost is finding super spreaders. So when you've got your highest viral load, right. that is where rapid antigen testing is absolutely the gold standard. So it's at ninety-six point five percent. And so I think as a risk mitigation tool, no different than a mask. What rapid antigen test is uh, testing does allow is that when you have large format events, that you have done everything to the best of your ability to ensure that environment is as COVID-free as possible. Now, Bunnings and, you know, IKEA, you know, IKEA can have 4,003 people on a normal trading day. Now, there's no risk mitigation there bar a mask and some social distancing. What the event industry is saying, we'll add that on top of the QR coding, social distancing, mask, hand sanitisation and rapid antigen testing. And I, I cannot... We've only had roadblocks all the way through from GHHS, but we think that's starting to move now that New South Wales have accepted it and put it through construction, education, and many other departments.
0: And I thought it was interesting the way that it's done in the UK, because that's the way, uh, for example, yeah. Wimbledon worked. If you want to do things, you want to go into a restaurant, if you want to do go to a, a big event with uh, lots of people in it and high density, you have your rapid antigen test. There's a QR code on the actual test device, the tiny little thing that actually has the sample that you've taken from a swab. And that, that QR code uh, sends the results back to the NHS in the UK. And then that, I presume, is, ver- is checked against a health record that's stored for you. And then that, the NHS, if that checks out, then they give you a verification code and that's what you use to actually enter a venue.
1: Correct. So the, the combination of that tech and data comes into the same QR code and then that provides access. Now, a lot of people get very um, upset about the data sharing and, and information and privacy and all those things, and I, I totally understand that. But we passed the... You know, the train sort of left the station, I think, many years ago on, yeah. on um, individual privacy and security. But it, 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 it is still a concern for many people. But this rapid antigen testing, it's a very powerful thing in the gap. You know, and we're still in the gap of being post-COVID so we're, we're in different phases of it now and the vaccine is a very important part of it and checking people for their vaccination status maybe that last 12 months maybe it lasts 18 months but i i hope that in the future that these tools to help um, reduce hospitalization and the pressure on our, our medical services really do abate over time but you know only time will tell
0: Yep, Indeed. All right. Well, look, great to talk to you, Bruce. Bruce Keybor, head of the big group. His thoughts on opening up and the need to get people back to as normal a life as possible in these difficult times. Really good to talk, Bruce, and uh, good luck with opening up. Let's hope that Melbourne Cup is the race that starts the nation.
1: I agree. Thanks so much, Piers, for the opportunity.